0: You, one of our regular students for self-improvement. Wednesday each week, you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week: our most beautiful bugs. Your teacher is Associate Professor Tanya Latty, etymolo- etymologist at the University of Sydney. Tanya, good afternoon. Welcome back to Drive. Yeah, thanks for having me again. We're going to do a sort of rundown based, you know, not often we bring in science and, and all these sort of things, but this is about this is about beauty. We all love a butterfly, but what are some of the other most beautiful bugs? And we're going to start
1: with Australian stag beetles. Why are they on your list? Because I think Australia has some of the most unbelievably gorgeous stag beetles in the world. Um, we have a number of species in the genus Lamprima. And these are stag beetles that not only have their, I mean, they're quite large, which makes them very striking, but their shell or their exoskeletons are these metallic greens, blues, reds. It looks like they're shimmering metal um, when you see them walking. And they're big enough that you notice. Um, many other species of stag beetles have these dramatic horns, Um, structures, particularly in the males, which they use to fight one another. I mean, these beetles are so fantastic that they're actually quite commonly um, bred in the pet trade in other cultures. So, for example, in in Asia, there are a number of species that are being bred there because they're just, they're so fantastically beautiful. (laughs) um, The people love keeping them.
0: You you say they they also lead, lead cryptic lives. What do you mean by cryptic lives?
1: Yeah. So, I mean... They are such dramatically coloured species, yet we rarely, rarely see them. The adult form isn't out for very long. Most of this time, most of their life they spend as curl grubs. So you know those really plump, kind of white-bodied, hard-headed grubs you find in your garden? Um, those are the larvae of scarab beetles. And because stag beetles are scarabs, their larvae look like that. So they're mostly in kind of decaying wood, um, in forests. And we just, we don't really notice that life stage. So they're always around, but they're very rarely seen. And there's some species which haven't been seen in years. Um, So it's unclear what's happened to them, if they're still there or if they've always been rare.
0: I really like the idea of the king stag beetle. (laughs)
1: Yes, it's got these enormous mandibles, um, but it's also got that beautiful shimmering sort of metallic coloration. And sort of famously, the person who first described it in 1885 said it was the most beautiful insect I've ever seen. Um, It's just blown away by it. And apparently there was some intrigue around the specimens being sent to Europe and the, the original corrector kind of held back the mail, but then eventually sent it and everyone was just like completely blown away by how beautiful this animal was.
0: Okay, the rocks. Star of stag beetles, the king stag beetles. You'll have to look it up actually online because it's found in northeastern Queensland. You won't find it in the garden. What about the one thing you might find in the garden in Sydney, in fact buzzing around your door pretty soon, is uh, the Christmas beetles?
1: Yeah, so Christmas beetles... I think, I mean, they're they're currently my favorite beetles, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, I moved to Australia from Canada about 15 years ago. And when I got here, people kept telling me these amazing stories about how come Christmas time, Christmas would be heralded by the arrival of these beautiful, shimmering beetles that would just be everywhere. Um, unfortunately, I've never really seen the huge swarms of Christmas beetles people talked about. And in fact, that seems to be very common. Um, almost everybody I meet who is born in Australia and is over 30 says, oh, yeah, I remember them when I was a kid. We just don't have the numbers anymore, and that's really worrying.
0: Why do you think um, that is? Why, why is the Christmas beetle uh, in such decline?
1: Yeah, well, we don't really know. We have a couple suspects. So I think the first thing to know is that there's around 35, 36 species of Christmas beetles, so there's quite a few different types. They're generally speaking quite large, quite chonky beetles, with many of them have this lovely iridescent shimmer to the outside of them. Um, Of those 35 species, though, I think because they were so common, no one was really keeping good records of how many there were. And so we didn't really notice when they disappeared, which makes it really, really difficult without data to know for sure what's causing it. However, we suspect its habitat loss because we know that the um, the baby Christmas beetles need to feed on the roots of native grasses. And we've had so much land clearing in Australia where you know these beautiful open woodlands that have lots of gum trees but a nice grassy understory a lot of that has been converted into agriculture or it's been converted into um, housing and when you do that there's no more food for the baby beetles and if you have no babies there's no adults okay
0: and these these are these are species well, I think all but one are unique to Australia if we lose them we lose them the world loses them
1: Well, this is it. These are such an important part of our natural heritage, you know, just as much as koalas or platypus are. I mean, these animals are only mostly only found here. And I can't think of anywhere else on Earth that has that association between the Christmas holiday season and this beautiful beetle. Um, To me, it's such a tremendous shame that kids growing up today, they're not having that interaction with nature that previous generations had where... You know, they could associate Christmas with these lovely, totally harmless and beautiful beetles.
0: Associate Professor Tanya Laddie is here, etymologist at the University of Sydney, with her choice of the four most beautiful insects for self-improvement Wednesday. In number three, the blue banded bee.
1: Yeah. Ah, oh, okay, so these are probably my favorite bees <laughs> of our native species. There's actually a fair few different species of blue-banded bee. In Sydney, we probably have around six different species. But they all look pretty much the same. And the most common is one called a Megula cingulata. So they're quite round, rotund uh, bees. And they have these beautiful blue and black or blue and gray stripes throughout their abdomens. Um, so they're very, very striking. And one of the nice things about them is that they seem to be pretty happy living in cities. So this is one of the most common native bees that you might see if you happen to be you know, living in the city. They might be hanging out in your garden or in your community garden or anywhere there are flowers.
0: And you can tell the difference between the boys and the girls by the number of bands, right?
1: Yeah, if you can get them to stand still long enough. <laughs> you know, you know blue banded bees are very buzzy and they're very quick and they're extremely frustrating to take pictures of. But if you can get a picture, if you count the number of stripes, um, the males usually have five and the females have more.
0: Mm, they go, They they grow between to
1: between ten millimeters and twelve millimeters, so they're reasonable size. Yeah, they're definitely one of our larger native bees and you can hear them, like they're quite buzzy when they zip by. So it's, it's a nice species because many of our native bees are quite small and they tend to get mistaken for flies or overlooked. But blue banded bees, you're not, you're not going to miss a blue banded bee.
0: Okay, so, uh, And the place to look, some people say, is on blue and purple flowers because they like being close to those flowers because <laughs>
1: they blend in. Yeah, we're not really sure if that's why they like them, but there does seem to be an association where they are much more likely to be found on bluish and purplish flowers. Um, Having said that, I've seen them foraging on like red salvias and white flowers as well. So it's not like they won't forage on other things. It's just there seems to be a bit of a preference um, for that kind of color, the blue and the uh, the purple.
0: Okay, one more in Tanya Laddie's list of the most beautiful Australian insects. It's the it's a praying mantis or mantids.
1: Yes. yes. So the praying mantises. Again, there's a number of different species um, that we have in Australia, and I mean they're not as colorful, I think, as some of the other species I've talked about, but they are just so striking in the way they move and they have really acute vision. And so if you look at a praying mantis, the praying mantis will look back at you. Um, there's not that many insects where you can really have that kind of interaction where you feel like it actually sees you. And it's probably thinking about eating you, but you know, it's nice to be seen. And, and they can see you uh, wherever you're standing. They,
0: their, their heads rotate 180 degrees.
1: Yeah, and compound eyes, those really big kind of bulgy eyes, allows them to see really well even behind them. You absolutely cannot sneak up on a praying mantis. Mm.
0: Uh, You wouldn't want to sneak up because the the front legs have have rows of sharp spines, don't they?
1: Yeah, we call them raptorial appendages, which is basically a fancy way of saying like sharp, scary arm bits because they can shoot those arms out the spikes will then hold their prey still, and then the mantis will just start eating it alive. It's pretty grim to watch, but that's a super important, uh, what we call ecosystem service, because those praying mantises, they're out in your garden eating your pest insects, you know, eating things like caterpillars that might otherwise be destroying your garden. So you know, not only are they super striking, but they're also kind of garden superheroes. We, we want to have more mantises around.
0: What a great lesson. Associate Professor Tanya Laddie, thank you so
1: much. Yeah, no problem.
0: Her choice of the four most beautiful Australian insects. You can listen again online at abc.net.au slash Sydney. There you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast next week. A lesson from Tim Dean, philosopher and author from the University of Sydney. His topic is the world of philosophical paradox. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week.